Uh, welcome to episode 10 uh, of Coding Rehab. Um, surprisingly, we are, it's debatable what the name of this is going to be. So we'll probably uh, have a discussion and decide what it is. But um, we'll, we'll let uh, our listeners vote and decide. Yeah, we'll put uh, to be named. Um, mm. I think we, we wanted to kind of talk about the contrast uh, of how programs are built. And um, I'll try and conceptualize at least how it feels in my mind, Amir, and maybe you can uh, accurately expound upon it. <clears throat> um, so when I'm writing uh, Java code, uh, I feel like what my intent is, is to given primitives or starting with primitives, I build on top of primitives to create, you know, abstractions or classes or data structures. And uh, it feels very bottom up. So, you know, if I want a thing, I use these primitives and I surround them in functions and I surround them in, in private scoping. And uh, then I build a class and then that class might, you know, key me into the fact that to create that class, I need these types of systems that create it. Um, but, mm -hmm. but I really start with my primitives. And, you know, when we're writing Haskell, as an example, it feels completely opposite, uh, where when I'm designing a Haskell program, I'm really defining my type. And in my mind, that also relates to like an abstraction of sorts, where I could be, I could just define the types of my functions and have an idea of how it's going to work completely without even writing any real code. And uh, I think that's pretty powerful. It's pretty uh, incredible, actually, how, how different it is. Yeah, and, and I think the, the feeling of uh, spending so much time defining your types and then running it, and it works. Right. And uh, I think that that's something that maybe in, in Java doesn't happen, oh, uh, at least for me, that often. No, I, I, absolutely. Um and it's, it's also pretty weird how, or weird is not the right word. It's pretty incredible how j defining your types is like 70% of the work, it feels. Mm -hmm. You know, you, yeah. ha you have a pretty good idea how things are going to happen just by defining those types. And if you contrast that with uh, Java, because that's the, just because it's the most familiar object-oriented programming language I have experience with. If all I did was build my build my interfaces for the program I was going to write, it would be way off. Mm -hmm. or I would have no idea how it's really going to work, you know. And yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet those interfaces. And, and, and I think that. The, Sorry. Yeah, totally. I I think that the mix of um, representation and functionality. In, in Java makes you work way more because you have to define every state and think how that is going to mutate and change. While in in Haskell or, or, or Clojure, though in Clojure you don't define a, as a many uh, types ahead, but the separation of representing uh, my, my models with uh, some uh, hashes or in Haskell you will create a some algebraic types, and then the functionality grows, right? And, and there's no state to change. There, there's nothing like that. 
and that gives you a lot of freedom on how to keep going. And we've done this many, many times doing uh, a, a, with the whole team doing exercises in Haskell that we may spend more time and, and we, we really do uh, spend uh, a couple of sessions defining how the, the type is going to look and how you're going to interact. But then the function just works on top of it. Right. And uh, that's very different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of kind of gives you a good indication of, I mean, we'll, we'll, specifically with Haskell, of what the authors or the creators of the language wanted you to think about most. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels like they wanted you to think about the upfront, you know, upfront how things are going to work before you even started writing a single bit of actual function, functioning code. Yeah, I, in, I think that where you were talking about uh, at the beginning comes hand in hand with this idea of primitive obsession. Right. That we tend to model uh, everything as a primitive type. Because uh, either we're lazy, and I, I, I can totally see and support that, um, but also because uh, sometimes it's hard in, in the language to define, uh, I don't know, what an email looks like or what an email is, and then uh, what are valid emails and invalid emails are where you can use them. So you end up saying, okay, fine, I'll call it a string and let's move on. Right. So, and the, of, of course, that that tends to to come and bite you back at the end, and then you end up implementing the the functions that you didn't want to do before. Right. So, uh, and I think that that leads into so take you know take the beginning of your code and take the mm-hmm. uh, a year or two into it, or say it's a library, you know, um, yeah. and I think you can see like the the fruits of that design paradigm in, in the libraries of the languages that you are using. So for example, let's, let's use closure in Java. You know, it, yeah. it is pretty incredible how 95% of a closure library is all using the same data structures, like the same three yes. data structures. It's like mm-hmm. three things. That's all you have to know. And then just transformations upon those that all work. And then maybe <clears throat> there's like a record or there's some sort of something, you know, uh, custom being made, um, but it's very small. So contrast that with, you know, a, a different library. You, you have to literally read a, uh, for hours to understand how the library is even going to work. Like, okay, say you have a, um, oh, what's a good library? Some parsing library, right? Yeah. You know, there's three or four popular uh, p- Java parsing libraries. And surprisingly, mm-hmm. none of them are really built the same. So you have to go and read, you know, what are the inputs? What are the outputs? What's the thing that I'm expecting you know, what does it have inside of it? And uh, it's, it, I think that's an indication or a byproduct of the fact that you're not thinking about types first, you're building upon it. And so as you're building and building in kind of the more OO paradigm, it diverges from everybody else's, you know, 
what everyone else would have done. Yeah, and be, in not being a plan for mutability, and immutability, I mean, that may force you to, to change uh, your type based on your usage and not based on what you're trying to model. And and that's a kind of coupling that creates during the 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 work with it that you you know that something is not as as right that it should be but you know when when you're already in 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 the middle of it and and working with it you don't want to just go and redo everything right because that kind of refactoring is is really costly right. So we, we had a conversation today about um, I was trying to do something with my um, pr- with my unenlightened brain. <laughs> I was trying mm-hmm. to write uh, a uh, greater than or equals a, comp- a comparator in enclosure for a a new type. Well, what yeah. was it for? It was for Roman numerals, yeah. and uh, I was trying to see how you did that enclosure and the what i came up with was that you just don't <laughs> that <laughs> uh instead of writing a something that would compare it or an interface that would allow you to pass in an interface yeah. to a function that would let it be compared you really just write a new function yeah. and uh, i i think that is there's parallels here where <clears throat> you know i'm not writing something to wrap around my primitives I'm writing a completely new function that works with a new data. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not a primitive in this case, but uh, a new data type, which was just a string of Roman numerals. So, yeah, but because the base abstraction is the same and the contract stays the same, nobody has doubt on how to use it, right. and they don't need to check of what kind of representation you're using because it's the same contract. Right. So. You, you you use it uh, with, with confidence. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, why you see a lot of um, functional programming libraries where they, uh, instead of writing, you know, something that wraps around a primitive to make it work how other things work, they really just write the same function as you'd expect it with some sort of differentiator to let you know that it's yeah. for this, which is a... Um, pretty unique and and i guess it took me this long to kind of completely understand that yeah and you you don't have to worry because if you need another function you just write another function you don't need to make it match with anything you need to make it part of an interface and uh, there's nothing broken yes so uh you know one of the great parts about kind of uh changing your thought process is you slowly get new um seasons of enlightenment like you know i probably read an example is i probably read the definition of juxt uh 10 to 15 times um but then i wrote <laughs> exact just yeah. to see how it works and i didn't quite i wouldn't say i grokked the understanding of it but um i was writing something and i wrote a function that i called function train <laughs> it was just uh-huh. a list full of functions and then when I turned it in, I got corrected and was said, you know, why don't you just use Jux? And then it, you know, snapped like, that's what that does. <laughs> it, <laughs> although I still like my name better, Function Train. I don't know why they call it Jux. So. Um, yeah, you, you get uh, familiar with, with Function and some ideas that, that you are using uh, when when you started programming or 
uh, as you go programming some ideas, they, they tend to, to mature. And then one day you click and you say, oh, now, now I see why, why this function is so useful. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, it's, it's interesting that, you know, the, the functional paradigm wants you to pay the upfront costs of design before implementation and OO wants you to take the implementation and wrap it around the design. And, uh, I, I don't know which one's top or, or bottom, but I would say, you know, OO is a little more bottom up where you're using small modular pieces and building bigger and uh, functional is top down. And uh, it's, it's indicative lur lurking at libraries to see how, you know, what that results in and, and where the time, I don't know. I don't know, you know, if I can accurately say what takes more or less time, my guess is that functional in the long run would take a lot less time because after you've built it, you don't really need to know a lot past that point, but yeah, it's, uh, I agree that the, the comparison is tough and, and this is only, uh, at least for, for us, I think is our personal experience right. and, and, and not a, a rule of thumb that, uh, that, that you can use, but, um, having the the freedom uh, again, I'm also not sure what would be bottom up or top down, right. but having the freedom to define your representation and then just add functions that work with it, uh, I think that let gives you lots of time for you to think and not worry about more stuff. Right. So you can do the representation, add a couple of functions try it in the repo and if it solves what you need that's it and you move on and and there's no class that has to be there, there there's no um pressure on what what should be the right interface for the, this right. um do i need to create a base class do i need to create an abstraction because i remember that kind of thinking that for every class i wrote i was always wondering yeah but do i need an interface right what if somebody else wants to do it, wants to use it? What if somebody else uh, wants to override my class and give it a different behavior? Right. I had the, I had the and... of Fort book memorized. So that's how, <laughs> <laughs> that's how cool. I spent a lot of time <laughs> memorizing those. Yeah, I always, I always confused all the, some of the patterns. <laughs> I, I got confused and, uh, they, but they all end up to be like were, four. So yeah, exactly. and doing always the same. No one there used flywheel. That. No one used prototype. Really, you know, they, they all use kind of yeah. the same one. So yeah, and then the funny thing is when you translate that and try to say, well, how do I do this in functional programming when everything, every pattern is like just a function? No, it's it's funny. I read the who is the F sharp guy he had a talk on that. Yeah, yeah. Scott Lashin. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the greatest fr freeing feeling. You know, I used to almost be overwhelmed trying to, you know, I, I mean, I always had this desire that I wanted to be a great software engineer. And when mm -hmm. you look at all the books you need to read to just it, to call yourself an expert Java developer, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Where with functional programming, it's like learn the standard library and just go from there. And then you're then you're also pretty good at Haskell. And you're pretty good at Lua, so it's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and uh, I'm not sure if you're an expert, but I think that productivity can come uh, way before 
it, it would be it would be in a, in a language when you have to put classes together and and also defend your design and say if it's a right that is one class inside of the other or they should inherit from each other or not or Definitely. where that is clear i used to spend hours and hours in meetings like that Definitely. I, I want to pay more attention to, you know, we, we support uh, a lot of different code and different languages, and some of those are mm-hmm. OO and some of those are functional. I want to pay yeah. more attention to uh, refactoring and see if, you know, changing implementation, given that the interface or the type in a functional language stays the same, is, a, is how it compares to changing implementation in an OO uh, data set. I, I really can't say one way or the other, you know, um, mm-hmm. but it seems that uh, there's a lot less likelihood for you to break something yeah. given that, you know, changing your primitives has the downstream effect of needing to change all your interfaces as well. Normally, not always. Yeah, because totally you have, you have way less dependencies, right? right? I mean, your it's your parameters change, your interface changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, output changes, you know, so uh, it, it's uh, it, something I want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, well, um, I think that's uh, about it for our, uh, what are we going to call us? We'll call it uh, bottom up versus top down development. <laughs> <laughs> you, you decide which is which. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Everyone listening to it, they'll look at their iPhone and they'll see for the answer. But right now I don't have it. And uh, we'll figure it out, though. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thank you. See you next time.